Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now we go from that to this verse. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now I realize all types of theologians and commentators, atheists, agnostics, and so on and so on and so on, say that it's totally impossible for a city of this size to ever be able to come down out of heaven. And I hate it that their God is so puny and so weak. But if my God says it comes down out of heaven, guess what? It comes down out of heaven. I understand you weigh all the gold, you weigh all the jasper, you weigh the foundations, you weigh a 1,500-mile city. You think, how in the world? That's just how big my daddy is. He just does stuff that's totally impossible. Does he not? I'm a testimony of that. My own life is. So is yours. So while they're always spending their time trying to figure it out, I'm spending my time getting ready to be in it. That's something that I can do and something that you can do. Amen. How many would like to be remembered today in prayer? Amen. We have this prayer call, so we'd like to pray over as well for Brother Frank Williams' granddaughter. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, how grateful we are today for the opportunity that we would be granted again to assemble ourselves together in this place, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your mercy to us. Thank you for participation so far of your children with the singing and prayers and things that they have done. Now I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we go into the further part of the service. May you send your anointing to be able to anoint our hearts to receive your word. Lord, you saw the needs that were signified by the uplifting of the hand. Father, you know this uh, need of Brother Frank's granddaughters. I pray over this prayer course and preach with it today. I pray, Lord, that you just be mindful of her need. Lord Jesus, may we be able to go just a little bit beyond this world that we are currently in today. May we travel backwards and then travel forwards in order to get a greater glimpse of how great that our God truly is. No matter how difficult the road may seem today, what we're going through, help us to know, Lord, that as you came to Job so many, many years ago, and Job had been through such hard, difficult times and trials of his faith, yet when you came to Job, you began to tell him how great you was and what great things that you had done. It actually done something to help release the man from the trouble that he was in. So I pray that you'd help us today, Father. 
Be like the great eagle as you spread your wings over the top of our nest, O God. Help us to see how great, how wonderful, how magnificent, how powerful our Father really is. Speak to us today, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Just a casual glimpse of this would lead one to believe that the earth itself will be annihilated. But when we look at the writing a little bit closer, we are convinced that the earth itself will not be annihilated and a new one, but simply move from one stage to another. God has a way of saying things that you have to be tuned in to what he's saying or you miss his meaning. He says similar to this in Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Now, this gives us a little glimpse of what we was talking about last night, that God has the ability to help us as his children. Once we finally move into this perfect kingdom on the earth, that God, in order to make it completely heaven, will help us to totally forget any of those family members, friends, and so on that did not make it, because heaven would certainly not be heaven. If we were thinking about a daughter, a son, a mother, a father, a nephew, and it was constantly in our minds and we're grieving and grieving over someone who did not make it. But if the earth will not come into mind anymore, I'm convinced that those who are severed from us will not come into mind anymore either. Notice he says, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mine. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Chapter 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. How many is looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth? Second Peter 3.12, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, we know that the elements and the atmosphere, of course, are made of gases. And with a certain amount of gases mixing together, with a little bit of holy fire from God out of heaven, it will ignite such an explosion that it will cause the atmosphere or the heavens. Now, remember, this is not where God is. 
but this is the heavens which are above us, the stratosphere, the hemisphere, the atmosphere which contains the clouds, barometric pressure, and so on. And God will cause it to be able to ignite. And when it ignites, it will explode, and it will in turn cause such a catastrophic change in the earth that it will bring the earth back to its state that God wanted it to be in the beginning. And we know that God has moved upon the earth and used the earth several times before. Now notice this in verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm sure that you're knowing, noticing this already, that the heavens are being identified as new, as in a plural form. That the heavens is not singular as one, but the earth is singular. There will only be one earth, but there will be plural of heavens, which lets us know that the heavens will be similar in the created state that they are now, but they will be in the new earth, or the new heavens will be more of what God intended for it to be without sin. Notice he says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Now this is the part we can do. We cannot make the new heavens or the new earth, but we can certainly do our part, and that is to be ready. So it is evident that the heavens and the earth are not designed to take this new place until after the millennium and after the great white throne judgment. As we looked at it last night, that God will actually call the dead from the sea. He will call the dead from Hades or Sheol. He will call them from the, uh, the elements of the dust of the earth. But in this new earth, there will never be a corpse that will ever lay inside its body or inside the fragmentation of the earth, because the body of the earth will be given that perfect state of what God wanted it to be. So now we move beyond the millennium, we move beyond the great white throne, and we go into the stage of what I want to title this, of our new home. Now, looking at this, I think that we'll understand it a little better if we'll go backwards in retrospect and see the way that God did it in the first place. And we know that the first heaven and the first earth were actually created in the dateless past. That is, the scripture begins with the sublime declaration of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now notice here, this heaven is not in plural form, but in singular and the earth as well. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This word created is bara, which is the Hebrew word to create, to shape, form, fashion, new conditions and circumstances. So the earth in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and the heavens is what is termed as the of the geological past or the ages which are in the past. But we know as we've looked at it before when we come to verse 2 that there is something that God is bringing into view again. Now scientists and creationists would really have the correct understanding 
There's actually no conflict in the geological ages of the past and the way the scripture sets us forth. Now the contrast and the problem is when scientists will say, well, we've got all of these millions of years that it took for the geology of the earth to be able to make all of the strata and so on that is there. Then the creationists would say, well, God only did it in six days. Now both of them are right, but both of them are wrong. If you place it in the right way, creationism and science, and the original science, is exactly right and in harmony together. The millions of years of the span of time that it took God to make the geological ages does not contrast with the teaching of the scripture at all. It only contrasts with people's tradition of what they think the scripture actually means. Now, Moses, of course, seeing this, and he writes it, and he makes it sound without revelation, as if, though, that it was a span of a 24-hour period. And then that God took the first day, 24 hours, and then the second day, 24 hours, third day, so on and so on. But yet, actually, the Scripture does not set it forth as a 24-hour period. But we know that a thousand years with the Lord is equivalent to one day on the earth, right? But we also know that from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, that something took place, a great cataclysmic change, a great, a great change that brought about so many things upon the earth. Now we know that the earth actually is one of God's attributes and it can never be destroyed. Because God loves the earth and God placed it. Well, I don't know. Certainly not the biggest spot. Certainly not the brightest star. Certainly not the closest one to the sun, the moon. But yet God so chose it for his own purpose. But notice in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. And the earth was without form. And the word the without has a great clue to see that something is now broken away from the perfection of what God did in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 notice this it means formlessness or confusion emptiness formlessness of primeval earth nothingness empty space wasteland wilderness of solitary places or place of chaos now we know enough about our God to know that he does not create something in perfection and leave it in such a stage of nothingness or formlessness or a state of chaos. Now, if he's in a progressive creation and then he brings something up, you know, in one form higher and higher and higher, but yet in the way that Moses states this in, in verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, he brings an end to it with a period there. It would lead us to believe that God had created it in a great state of perfection. And a very absolute state of completion. And it was pleasing to God. But then we look in verse 2. And we see the earth is in this state of formlessness and chaos. Notice he says, And the earth was without form 
and void. As if so, the word that he used uh, without was not enough. He uses this other Hebrew word, buhu, which means emptiness and void and waste. So he's putting double emphasis now on the state of the earth. And we know from reading in the book of Genesis that when Adam and Eve was placed on the Garden of Eden, that there was already sin that had existed prior to them being brought on the earth. Now, God did not explain to them where that sin was, what all it curtailed, but yet we know that the angels actually fell before the earth was brought into this spot. Notice Moses says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now this is actually after verse 1, whenever it says that God had done brought the heaven and the earth into a state of creation. So as a result from what we believe that God had happened to the earth, it was a result of divine judgment. And the earth itself bears to this day the marks of such a catastrophe. So the earth was not originally created in this state of verse 2. Notice in Isaiah 45, 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens God himself, that formed the earth and made it, and he hath established it. He created it not in vain. Formlessness, confusion, emptiness, formlessness of primeval earth. So here now, Isaiah runs the parallel to Genesis 1. And he said when God created the earth, God did not create it in the state that it was in verse 2 when Moses saw it. But he created it in the beginning in the state of verse 1, but something happened in the lapse of time between verse 1 and verse 2. So Isaiah said God did not make it in this formless state. He created it, he said, created it not in vain, which is the same word again. So then God never created this in vain or in formlessness or in chaos, but something happened to it and it brought it to this stage. But yet when God got ready to move upon the earth again, then God has to move according to his great power. But we know that the word create is not found after this here in Genesis chapter 1, that God created the heavens and the earth, and the word create is not found again until verse 21. So first day, second day, third day, fourth day, the word create is actually not found at all. Because God is not creating on the first day, second day, third day, or fourth day, but God is actually causing atmospheric change. God is causing resurrection. But because the fifth day requires the hand of God in creation, then we see the word create again. Y'all with me? All right. And the earth, notice again in verse 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now watch Jeremiah as Jeremiah catches the same thing in chapter 4 verse 23. And I beheld the earth and lo, it was without form and void and the heavens and they had no light. Now again, Jeremiah uh, catches it as if so something terrible had happened. 
I beheld the mountains and lo, they trembled and all the hills moved lightly. So whatever it was that was going on on the earth, it was a sign of tumult. Now we know that the prophets use these words over and over again as a sign of judgment upon the earth. That God said he would cause the mountains to shake. He would cause the sun to become black, a sackcloth of hair. And the moon would turn to blood, which is all symbolic language we know. But yet God uses the elements that the earth can relate to to show his judgment in them. Now, there can be no question that the earth itself is absolutely either millions or possibly billions of years old. Well, praise God. Now, there is ample time in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 just by the words in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth for these geological ages to be able to transpire. Notice in the spoken words original scene, if you'll notice God telling Moses about the Bible, he said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, period. How long it took, that's none of our business. Then he goes ahead and brings it to his time of putting the seed in the earth. But in the beginning, might have been hundreds of billions or trillions of years aeons of time okay can you all say amen now I've read you a quote I was quoting them before but you had to see it on the screen now so now the earth then could be billions or trillions of years old aeons of time now, whenever you look at it in this view, then it makes, you know, it makes everything correlate so much better. Whenever you see the strata of the earth and see how that God did it all, and then you go back and you find the, the scientists find the fossils, and they keep on going back, going back, and they go back to the different periods that they had, the Jurassic, and all the different periods. But isn't it absolutely amazing? That with all the fossils that they found with fish and all types of little animals, that they have never found one fossil of one man. Wonder why. Wonder why there's not one after another after another of men and women and boys that are under the ocean waters. Wonder why there's not complete fossils of human beings and habitation. You know, they find a bone here and a boy. This could be a man. This could be this. Well, if man lived here, then there ought to be fossils if they were destroyed in this cataclysmic change between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. But guess what? There was no man here. Now this was before Adam was actually placed on the earth, termed by theologians the pre-Adamite world. So it was before man was ever brought upon the earth. Now this is why that whenever we look at all this, we don't find any campfires. We don't find any stone houses. We don't find any of these types of things when they go to digging around in those uh, past ages because there was no man here. Now, but yet God had placed a being, a great being, and he said, Thou was created perfect until iniquity was found in thee. And God had given him a dominion, a domain somewhere, wherever it was. God had given him that spot. He said, Thou hast been in Eden. Every precious stone was our covering, the topaz, the carbuncle, the diamond, so on and so on. So there was something that definitely brought about a great change. But remember, this earth is God's attribute. 
It cannot be destroyed. And the church said, Notice again in Countdown, God made the world. That might have been a hundred trillion years making it. I don't know how long he was, but he made it. He didn't say how long it was, and it's none of our business how long it was. He just said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That settles it. So then we divide verse 1 from verse 2. So it brings in, now whenever we resume in, in verse 2 of chapter 1, then Moses allocates six different periods of creation, which God, and let me restate that, not creation, but resurrection by which God is bringing into view the things upon the earth. Now he brings in six periods or six days and then he climaxes that with the sabbatical period. This is called the creative week. It's termed that because of God bringing into view the works of creation which existed before. Now we know the prophet tells us in the fourth seal that when God spoke and the Spirit of God moved upon the waters and the deep, then those seeds, he said, were lying there for some former civilization. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm sure that you've noticed this before in reading the Bible, that whenever God said this on the first day in Genesis, that God did not create light. But God said, let there be light. So God is not actually creating light because the sun, the moon, the stars, and all that was already in existence. But God is putting it simply, you'll understand it. God is simply saying, turn on the light. Not making light, but turn on the light. And then on the second day, of course, God simply causes the emergence of the land coming out of the mass of the waters. On the third day, rather, and then God on down to the fifth. But none of these days do we find the word create until we come to the fifth day, which was the mammals in the sea, of course, and the animals on the earth. Now, why? Because all of them had been destroyed. They had been annihilated and been destroyed, and it required the creative voice of God to bring them back up. Now, unlike the seeds which were laying in the earth, you know it's no more than the winter time that's happened around here, and the cold harshness of the winter, and the seeds are laying in the ground, the tree roots are rooted down in the ground, and when those, some spring equinox comes around and the earth begins to warm, what do we do? God's not recreating pines and oaks and maples and all that, but it is a a simple resurrection. Well, in Genesis, whenever we look at this, we see God is resurrecting all of these plants and seeds that were there. But the God cannot, and God chose not, rather, to resurrect mammals, but God chose to create them anew. Well, praise God. So the submerged primeval earth is hanging here in space and with all this mass of water and all of it on top of it, and it looks like it's reached a stage where it will never be used again. But because it is one of God's attributes, it will be used again. Now, we say, why are you doing all that before we get to our home? So I can show you, we've done been here before. The earth has actually been where she's going now. She's been there, but she's never been to the eighth day yet. She's never been to where there was a perfect kingdom that would never come to an end. As wonderful as the millennium is going to be, which we just looked at. Yet the millennium will come to an end. And it will come to an end with people rebelling, with people, my, my, coming up against the holy city of God. Is that right? 
But yet when we come to the eighth day, this will be the last stage by which the Almighty will use the earth. So when we see the appearance then of the sun and the moon, again it is not God creating, but it is God simply changing the atmosphere. When God began to let the Spirit of God move upon the waters, which was Ruach Elohim, whenever He moved upon the waters, He simply caused the atmosphere to drive down into the earth and much of the atmosphere to be lifted up and to be able to go into water vapor and form the canopy into what we know as the heavens. And then God was simply causing to appear what he had already created. Well, praise God. I hope you can understand today that's your new birth. God did not make you a seed when you come and give your heart to him. He was simply driving the waters and the alcohol and the lust and the lying and all that stuff away from you and causing the conditions to be right for the seed to come to life that was in your soul. You also were a parallel to the primeval earth. Now, we did not exist, of course, you know, as far as in a body before the throne of God, but we come straight from the heart of mind of God as a thought. When we took the breath of life, then that little seed of life goes inside of us. It lays there for years and years, maybe decades, and he parallels it to the earth, and God is doing what? He's not creating a seed in you when you get born again, but God is resurrecting the seed that he placed in you when you were born the first time. Now you were not born saved, you were not born filled with the Holy Ghost, but you were born with a seed inside of you. The prophet said, let me inject this right here. He said, not to confuse, but to straighten out doctrine. I believe that if you ever come to God, there was something in you when you was a child that you will come to sooner or later. Well, praise God. Why? Because God paralleled it to the earth itself. So then in the earth was the seeds of the further advancement of verse 2. Now it would have been laid there for who knows how long, but yet it was there because the great mercy of God allowed it to be there. So he could be able to look at it and know that it would come back to the state to where he said, it is good. It is very good. But yet he knew in saying that, that the earth would have several more cycles that it would come to the destruction. Now we know what we're looking for now is the fiery baptism of the earth when the earth will no longer be water, but it will be fire. And it will come to a state to where it will be, what the Greek word there is parakomia, which is it will come and hundreds of miles upon the crust of the earth will be so changed there will be no remnants of the old earth left. So there will be all the geological ages will be gone. All the past record will be totally annihilated just like when you receive the seal of God, the Holy Ghost. Now you're justified, you accept the Lord as your Savior, you're sanctified, you lay aside habits and you quit this and quit that. But still the record is down inside of you, you've got that old snake laying inside of your heart. But when you get the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, the judgment of God breaks upon that nature and it annihilates that nature. And all the record that was against you, all your spiritual geological past, is totally eradicated in the mind of God. And you are free. Then what are you waiting for? You're waiting for a baptism in your body which will change your body back to a young man or a young woman. 
Now notice then when we look at how that Moses used these words, made and created, different word altogether, and he made this and he made that and created this, but it's not initial acts of creation that Moses is referring to. Notice again, there's a man can turn on the light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It might have been a hundred million or billion or whatever it was, how he done it, that's up to him to know. It's not to me. But the world, the earth was without form and void. And the water was upon the earth and God said he moved upon the water and God said let there be light. Now I believe that the sun and so forth was already in existence. I believe the moon as it goes on in Genesis 3 to explain it. I believe it was in the world and he was going to use it. And he moved it in the fog and mist over the earth. Oh, but God said, let there be light. And the darkness faded away and there was a cloudless sky. So then we move to the work of the fifth day and then verse 21, which is the first time that the word created shows up. And that is that God is now going to create the great whales and the animals and bring them on the earth. But the rest of the time it was a resurrection. Oh, I'd ought to have time sometime and be able to take these six creative days and go down through the church ages with you and show you exactly how they parallel. But notice this, so this great catastrophe had brought what would be termed a destruction, but it was not an annihilation. It changed the original purpose of the earth. It changed the original form of the earth. It changed the canopy that was above it that held the moisture. And actually, of course, in the antediluvian destruction that the fountains of the deep broke up. And it helped to destroy this earth again. But when I say destroy, I do not mean that it's going to be totally annihilated. It simply destroys the world and the world order. Oh my. Now God has these great things in his mind and there will be major changes that will be down from point one down to the alpha that will come into the omega of the earth. And God starts it out in the alpha stage and he ends it in the omega. But then there are stages where it comes up like this and great things will happen upon the earth. One of them, of course, was the antediluvian destruction. And then that God brought a climatic change upon the earth as far as the vapor and the rain and the clouds and so on. And then when we come to the millennium, it will be another climatic change upon the earth. But yet God is actually not just looking toward the millennium, but he's looking toward the eighth day. So the eighth day is not going to be something that will change it for a thousand years and then it'll revert back. But this time, it'll be changed forever. I don't want it just a little touch every now and then and, and give me enough God to help me to quit cussing or help me to quit drinking a little bit. I want to be changed forever. Amen. Now watch then, we come now after verse, after verse 21 to wherever we come to the creative hand of God again. And that is on the sixth day. So the sixth day, of course, is twofold. Land, animals, and man. So out of the sea, of course, there were great mammals. There was great sharks and all that sort of thing that God began to unfold in day five. And then we come up to day six, and there was mammals. God is creating higher forms of life, a form of spiritual evolution. So on day six, we see that God brings the land animals into view, and then he also brings man into view. Now all of these, both of these, are the creative hand of God. Why? Because there was no man that existed prior to this time. Now were there beings here? Well, there very well could have been, but who knows exactly what they were. But this is the first example of man, and man in his body bears the image of beast, but in his soul bears the image of God. 
So then this man was the merging together after the resurrection of the earth. You see what God is doing? God is resurrecting the earth out of this chaos. So these six periods in Genesis 1 is actually the resurrection of God bringing the earth back into a usable star instead of spinning out here, you know, and, and absolutely nothing being on it. But it is a resurrection and a creation. Now watch the millennium and you'll see that there will be a resurrection of those who are not in glorified bodies and there will be a creation of those who are. So God is bringing the whole story into view in Genesis chapter 1. Now we know then that the Spirit of God will not be deterred whenever He sets something toward His heart. Is that right? If God is determined to do something, He's going to do it. He don't need your permission nor your approval nor mine. That's right. Now Adam was not created a baby. Nor was Adam created to look like a monkey, or a chimpanzee, or a silverback gorilla. Adam did not evolve from a monkey. Well, I know some folks that act worse than monkeys do, but anyway. But Adam was created, and he was not created a primitive savage. Adam was not this man that science draws up and you see him in their charts and man's getting higher and higher and he looks like a monkey and then he gets a little bit higher. Well, all I like to say is, show me a fossil. Show me a fossil in a rock somewhere and show all of these stuff. Oh, but we've got it on paper. I don't want it on paper. I want it on stone. Well, praise the Lord, if they've been here before, there's got to be a record somewhere. There ought to be a geological record in the strata of the earth's past to show us that man come from a grill and then he got a little bit higher and then he got a little bit higher. If there was that way, there ought to be something somewhere. Well, glory to God. Don't you love it when the Lord just scans the devil's hide? I absolutely love it when he does that. But the reason they cannot find them and never will is because that is a fable and a lie. Praise be to God. Now, Adam was a full-grown man. He was created to be a full-grown man. He was not made to be a baby. He was not made to be just a little tiny seed on an embryo. But he was made to be a man. Now, what's this when God goes to bringing the earth into his view? That he has something that he wants to do and he's going to make the earth out of the substance of water. Watch how Peter writes this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. But what a strange way now that Peter has of refuting this statement in the last days. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Now, let me, let me read this to you while I put this down so I wouldn't forget it. The phrase, out of the water, refers to the origin of the earth. It was formed out of the watery mass. Now notice this, that he's not saying that part of the earth's in the water and part of it's out of the water. But God brought the earth out of this mass because a great portion of the earth is made out of water, just like your bodies. You're a great parallel to it if you ever understand it. So notice Peter now, he's refuting the people saying, well, everything continues like it is. He said, oh, no, it don't. He said, God has already done this once before, and God will do it again. 
Now he said, are you all out of your mind? God brought this earth out of this mess. Now he says, the word of God were of old, the, the heavens and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So with the phrase out of the water, being bring brought out of it, in the water, is not the sense that part of the earth was in the water and part of it was out. But it is that the earth itself come out of this watery grave or this watery womb, the substance by which God brought it out of. Notice in future home, the apostle Peter, he said in the second chapter in the fifth verse, he said, yes, I've got it. He refers to three stages of the earth. He gets three stages. Now notice how he brings them. The old world that stood out of the water. Now that was the Andalusian world. That the one that is the present world we live in now. And he called it a world. The old world that stood out of the water. Now watch how far back he goes. The world that stood out of the water. Genesis 1, 1. Now, and the world that is now present. Then again, he refers to another world. The world that is to come, the new world. Three worlds, three stages of the world. So then God in Genesis 1, God brought the earth out and he created. Then in Genesis 2, we see the earth is totally submerged again in water. So God is going to bring it out of the water. And he will bring it into by what? Resurrection. Now he doesn't have to recreate the earth. The earth is already there. But it's got all these things that are around it. All these materials, all this substance and atmosphere. And the seeds cannot grow. So God brings it out of the water. Water. But yet it's also in the water. And what later did God store all of this water? He put it inside the earth, which would be one of the factors of the flood in the days of Noah. Notice this, 2 Peter 3, 6. Whereby the world that then was, notice world, that then was being overflowed with water. To overwhelm with water, to submerge, deluge, a cataclysm is derived from this word. So notice then that he moves up now to the state of the Andalusian world. The world that was then being overflowed with water perished. Destroyed, put to an end to ruin, rendered useless. So notice then, after God pulls it out in Genesis 1-2, then God turns right back around again with the end of living destruction and renders the earth useless again. And your Noah and his sons and their wives are floating above the earth in the ark, and the earth itself is useless because the earth is absolutely under the judgment of God. Then, of course, they land on Mount Ararat in Armenia, and they go out from Armenia, and as the earth begins to populate, God divides them. And for whatever reason, God chose to send the land, uh, the, the people of Canaan, uh, the children of Ham, God chose to send them right to the very cradle of where he's going to call out his children of Israel. And we know, of course, that Shinar and the Valley of Babylon, that they go over there, which becomes the cradle of civilization. And then God wants to start populating the earth again. I don't want to get into this because this is Wednesday night sermon. But God started populating the earth again, and he spoke to them and told them to what? Multiply and replenish. Wonder why God told Adam the same thing? Why didn't God say punish? Why didn't God say bring children to there? Why did God tell Adam, the first man that lived on the earth, multiply and replenish? Replenish. 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 <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. 
Notice then Peter goes on to say, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store. What for? Reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now here Peter goes ahead and prophesies and tells us that the world again will be brought to a stage of destruction. Not total annihilation. But the heavens are reserved until the day of judgment. So the two events that have affected the structure of the earth that will go on to change it have been the Andalusian destruction and the millennium. And they will be cataclysmic and climactic in the sense that they change the climate on the earth. But then what happens after that? Then we go into our new home. Now God desires, of course, to be able to reflect himself in a tangible form. It's hard for us to imagine a being that has never existed in an intangible form. since everything we know is tangible. Everything that we relate to except for our faith is things that we can see, taste, feel, smell, and hear. But for us, we think, well, how is, where is God? Where does God dwell? And how did God come into existence himself? Well, he never did. Where did God come into view? Well, he never did. Well, who, who, who created God? Nobody. He always was. Well, how in the world can you believe that? It's a miracle that I do. Well, where did he come from? Well, I'm not sure where he come from. He was out there in eternity by himself, and there was no one there but him. Are you all with me this morning? But yet he desired to become tangible. Now, God is not a man, but God is a spirit. So tangibility is a great thing to God, that God wanted to become substance. So God begins to let forth his word and his attributes. And this is, of course, what Moses is writing down. That he began to bring forth into the earth and bring these things on the earth. Notice, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire. Now, the earth is going to get its fiery baptism. It's going to get a body change. Amen. Just as you and I did. Notice again, 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief and the night in the which the heavens shall pass away Pericomia, pass by pass over come forth of persons moving forward and act continuing for a time so the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements also my listen to this shall melt with a fervent heat what, my, what manner of people ought we to be, Happy Valley? So then the heavens will pass away and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. And this is now when we're going in to our new home. Notice Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. I'd rather be in the word than be in heaven. I'd rather be in the word than be in the earth. Because heaven will pass away and the earth will pass away. But if you're anchored in the word of God, you can no more pass away than the word can pass away. Notice, now the Greek word parakomia means pass away, but it does not mean termination of existence or annihilation. But it simply means to pass from one form into another form. Notice in Titus 3, 5, speaking of regeneration of men, uses the same word. 
And Jesus also, when he promised his disciples in Matthew 19, 28, that they would be in the regeneration setting upon 12 thrones. So annihilation, of course, would bring the earth to where it would totally pass off the scene and God would have to make a new one. But this word here is not that it's going to be new in the sense of the very core of the earth itself. It will simply pass from one phase to another. So you take a person in here today, they love to drink, they love to smoke, they love to run around, they love to do all kinds of things. They're not even sure why they're in church today. They're sure not even sure what I'm saying because they're sitting there looking at me and saying, I did not expect to hear a science class in, in school. Well, we are the first and original scientist. That's right. And yet something grab a hold to their heart here today and the Spirit of God go to doing a work in their heart and all of a sudden they don't want to drink no more, they don't want to run around no more and God gives them a new birth. Well, what happened? Parachomia. They pass from one place, one position into another. That is an absolute miracle of God. Because when you're born that way and that snake gets a hold of your heart, brother, some people, you feel sorry for them because you realize they're in such a state they cannot help themselves. They cannot get out of the state they are in. And we were all there, were we not? We were at that spot. We could not help ourselves and he knew that. But he, by his grace, determined he would reveal himself. Amen. So what does he do? He then allows us to pass from one form and to another. And you used to love to drink and all that sort of thing. You couldn't live without a smoke every 30 minutes. And now you walk around where people are smoking and it chokes you to death. Well, what happened to you? You passed away. And we buried you in baptism. Well, what do you do with people that pass away? You bury them. Praise God. So what's going to happen to the earth? Now the earth passed into from one form into another from of course verse 1 to verse 2 and then we come to the Andalusian destruction it passed into another form then it's going to pass into another form in the millennium but none of those forms was the form of perfection. When you were a little baby, my, you started, you come out of your mother's womb so helpless, you know, mom had to do everything for you, everybody around you, but you started growing and maturing, and you passed from one form into another, that you got to where you could say, dada, and mama, and then you got to where you could walk and crawl, what are you doing? You're passing from one form into another, next thing you know, like that, them little boys are toddlers and little girls, next thing they're teenagers, the next thing they're going to high school, next thing they're married, they got kids on their own, guess what, you just got old. Why? Because they have passed from one form to another. Come on, grandmas and grandpas. You all have passed from one form to another. Some of you men sitting here today used to have dark brown hair, dark black hair, or at least hair, and you have, but what you passed from another form. Now you've got gray hair and speckled hair and no hair, whatever it is. Why? Because you have passed from one form to another. But in this passing, it's going to lead us inevitably to death. But as God passes the earth and passes our soul, it will pass into eternal life. And from that, there is never any regression. Praise be to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Notice Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4, One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Again, in, in Psalms 37 and 11, The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So then it is clear our planet will not be 
be annihilated, but it will be so burned and so moved upon by the holy fire from God that it will be almost unrecognizable. The geological ages which hold all the scars and all the things that are there. You've seen as well as I have. You drive back places and you see seams of rock running down this way. And you see seams of rock that are broken in the middle. And they, you think, what in the world happened to all of that? Well, it wasn't that way in the original. But the great cataclysmic change that came upon the earth has thrown the earth in such a state. Look at yourself. You're very, very similar. Look at what kind of state we were in when God found us. Look at what kind of state we can still get in our bodies even after he has found us you tell me my brother sister that a man or a woman can't get in a terrible state they get cancer they get some type of disease and that thing is still ravaging inside of their body oh my it is a sign that our body is not yet redeemed but one day praise God when the baptism of fire baptizes our body into eternal life we will be a young man or a young woman we will never age we'll never have a hair to fall out we'll never turn gray we will be forever like our Lord Jesus Jesus. You understand the earth has been consecrated by the presence of God coming upon this earth. <laughs> it has been consecrated by the visitation of Melchizedek. The earth can never be destroyed. The earth can never. Did you see what Satan wants man to do? Look around us. What's man do? Man's destroying his own home. He pollutes the air. He pollutes the water. He pollutes everything. I'm convinced with all of my heart, much of the cancer and the rampage and all the stuff around this last day is caused by chemicals of man and all type of infiltration. We breathe chemicals. We eat chemicals. We drink chemicals. You better pray over your food. What's man trying to do? Oh man, under this destructive thing. But God said he would destroy them that destroy the earth. Notice 2 Peter 3.11 Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Can I have a few more minutes? Notice this in future home. Then this is now it's going to get a baptism of fire. But now it has to go through a baptism of fire, holy fire from God, which cleanses the earth and the heavens around it. Then it's purchased so the redeemed can live on it. Live in it. Peace. Notice. The baptism of fire is to cleanse it from sin, from sickness, from disease germs, from sinners, from the devil and all of his group. He is to be cast out into the lake of fire. Holy fire from God comes down from heaven, out of heaven and burns it up. Notice to make it ready for God to dwell in. For God in the new world that is to come is to dwell on the earth. Because you say God, he dwells in the human heart. But he and the bride becomes one. And they go to their home in the new world. And the same plan of redemption is used to redeem both world and the persons that live in it. Praise be 
needs of God. So God ain't going to go out there and pick a friend of any, many, many more. Which one do I want to go? Any, many, I don't know which one I want. God's going to the planet that he loved when he founded it. God's going to you, that seed that was in you, exactly the same way. Notice, you know, when a man receives the baptism of fire, Wow. Wonder how come us message folks have changed this. We've received the Holy Ghost noiseless. When a man receives the baptism of fire, there's a lot of noise around there. They think it's a shame to hear people scream and shout like that. Just wait till the earth gets her baptism. <laughs> yeah, it'll explode at the H2O, the water. And the Bible said in Revelation 21, and there was no more sea. Exploded. This will change the whole surface of the entire earth. She'll burst. And blow to pieces all the outside crust for hundreds of feet below it will simply be completely demolished. What's he doing? Eradicating all memories of the past. No dinosaur bones left in the new earth. No crustaceans. No Jurassic period can be found. The memory is gone. Now, you can remember yourself being a sinner, but it's not really so much important that you get it out of your mind. What's really important is that he got it out of his. That's exactly what happened to you on your soul. He broke forth on your soul and annihilated every attachment of sin to this world in your soul. Glory to God. There is no, no sign whatsoever of any previous ownership. God has traced your title deed back before the foundation of the world. Everything that mama done, everything that daddy done, everything that grandpa done, he has cleared the deed and sent back the token and said, son, claim it. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do it. If any two on earth agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. Here is your clear title deed to your property. Oh, this is beautiful. If you haven't listened to Future Home, you need to, because Lord William, we're going to go into it. Notice this. He said, the holy wrath of God will come upon us. Sin will cleanse it, will change the entire surface. Ah, like he did us. His creation. Before he could come in it, he had to give us the baptism of fire. Then the Holy Ghost come in and live in the baptism of fire. Then when you get that baptism of fire, the Holy Ghost can come in. What? And it does. It burns up everything contrary to the word out of you. It won't believe nothing else but the word. Because it is the word. Paragraph 277, just think, she'll catch a fire and burn up. The elements will melt, burn with fervent heat. All the earth, notice all the works on the earth will burn. All the water will explode. Lord, children, can you imagine all these chemicals being put together? It'll ignite and blow. Everything will blow up. Volcanics will erupt. And thousands of miles in the air will fly burning hot lava. 
the heavens has got to be purged. They have been avenues and thoroughfares by which demons were able to be transferred and moved back and forth. So it all must be purged. No more acid rain. No more storms. No more typhoons. Everything that caused them in the atmosphere will be burned up by holy fire from God. Get the baptism of the holy fire from God and that old temper of yours will be eradicated. Get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the holy fire from God. Oh, Brother Donnie, I'm struggling with this and that and the other. Get it right, Brother Sister. It'll burn it out. Volcanics will erupt and thousands of miles in the air will fly burning hot lava. Every germ, the Holy Spirit of God will cleanse off every speck of all the sin and everything. All the devil will be bound and cast into the lake of fire, consuming fire. God's wrath of fire, oh praise God. In the earth's time of purifying by its baptism of fire, there will be volcanics such as this earth exploding. And we'll push up a pyramid like mountain. Oh, I hope you can see it. When the Holy Ghost births your gene, he starts pushing up a pyramid like mountain in you. Called the stature of a perfect man. Faith, virgin, knowledge, temperance, on and on. Starts pushing up within you this mountain of the living God. To where you're no longer your own. You don't belong to you. Oh, I'm a Reagan, I'm a Whitson, I'm a Smith. No, you are no longer just a Reagan. You are no longer a Brown or a Smith or a Yance. You are a child of God. And the fire of God has broke upon your soul. And annihilated that nature and give birth into a pyramid like mountain. And we'll push up a pyramid like mountain. Plenty of room to do it. The whole thing will be changed. You see, once you ever truly get born again, you got plenty of growing room for God. A lot of folks' problem is they got just buried enough room for God, but they got all the rest of the room took up the things of the world. They're too busy to come to church anymore. They're too busy to do this and that and the other, and they give God a little corner over the side of their house, and then they wonder why they're not growing in leaps and bounds with God. You ain't give Him enough room to grow. You've got him over in the tiny little spot way over yonder and you've got all the rest of your time and your thoughts and your mind and so on and so on cultivated with all kinds of ball games, preach Brother Donnie. You've got all kinds of activities going on here and there and there and you've give God this little bitty old T90 spot about that big. Your Brother Donnie, I'm not growing in God. It ain't no wonder you ain't give God enough room to grow. God's got to have room to grow. The prophet said when that comes in you about the size of a button that it grows and grows. If you let it grow, it'll get bigger than the world. It'll get bigger than sports. It'll get bigger than activities of the world. It'll get bigger than your sickness. It'll get finally get bigger. It's bigger than old age. It's bigger than your body. And it will force your body to be changed by the power of God. 
I feel like starting a revival. <laughs> Push up a pyramid-like mountain. Plenty of room to do it. Why? No more sea. Now, if you look at this mountain right here and you see where Israel is, Jerusalem, you go out just a few miles from there, and you've got what? The Mediterranean. But it ain't no problem for the man who put it there to take it away. Can't the God who breathed the soul in your body when you were born give you a body back to match your soul when you're resurrected? <laughs> Well, the sea served his purpose. The ocean served his purpose. But in the eighth day, he needs that land mass. So the hydrogen and the oxygen, they become so wrapped. You know how it is in Kilauea and Hawaii, the, one of the most active volcanoes on the earth today. And it's constantly creating more land. Those of you familiar with it? Any of you? Some of you? Well, it's constantly creating more land. Constantly, constantly creating more land. Where's it coming from? Out of the core of the earth. And it spews it out right into where? The ocean. And right in the ocean as it oozes out of the earth. And it's making that island bigger and bigger and bigger. And the land is taking over. Praise God. So when the volcanoes stream up into the sky, every disease here, there won't even be one person in the new earth with a sniffle. There won't be no common cold. What will be common is eternal health. Eternal happiness. Eternal peace. Wow, oh, all these germs that are everywhere, the microbes that are in the water, the microbes that are in the air, the fire will destroy every one of them. There won't be one germ left. One microbe, nothing left. To be continued. As the framework of the primeval earth was not destroyed in its watery bath, so will the framework of the earth exist after its fiery baptism. Praise God. I'm glad I'm getting my fire now. Don't you appreciate the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Look, friend, if God has broke on you in wrath and in judgment, I hope that don't confuse you. That's what the prophet said. The wrath of God, the judgment of God broke in on your soul. You know what he done? He annihilated that old nature. That means you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. A candidate for this new earth. Let's bow our heads together if you will. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, what a contrast between the service last night and today. 
going from a lake of fire into a world on fire, into a paradise. If there's one here today, Lord Jesus, that has never experienced that fiery baptism of the Holy Ghost, I pray you let it happen to him today, Lord. Believing is wonderful. Accepting you as Savior is wonderful. But the fire of God must break upon us. And if you break upon us now in time, the judgment of God strikes that nature. That means we have passed from death unto life. Praise God. When the wrath of God broke upon that nature we were born with, and we surrendered that old evil, then we become born by the breath of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then there was a new man that was born inside of us, Christ. Then as the earth teeters still to this day, Lord, as we know, tornadoes sweeping through Oklahoma last night and killing several people, flattening a hotel, coming through a trailer park, and still looking for people that are missing. But the earth wasn't made to have such things. No more than sons and daughters of God were intended to be diagnosed with cancer or sugar or some type of mental sickness or some type of psychological problem. But it's been brought upon us because the head of the race forfeited his rights and ours. But you wanted us to have it back, Lord, so you come to the earth and it became you to lay aside your royal robes, your diadem. You left the praise of angels. Come to this earth and let people smack you and curse you and hit you. You did that with us in mind. We were the joy that were set before you, Father. Thank you. One day as the last diagnosis of mortality passes us, Never again will we ever make a doctor's visit and the doctor say, I've got bad news. Or visit the emergency room with some type of accident that happened. But Lord, death will have broke upon our body. I don't know how the change will be. Maybe it'll be a pain. Maybe it'll be so quick we won't even know what it is. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God will sweep over our bodies and we'll be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Help us, Lord Jesus. We believe we are yours and you claimed us when you come to this earth. Your presence hallowed this place. You have walked up and down it. You've walked different journeys. You've crossed the channel. You've come across with revivals from the east to the west. You've done it by your spirit claiming this earth as yours. You will not give it up. And to you, it's worth fighting for. And so are we. Then may we look at it the same way. Our peace, our walk with God is worth fighting for. We don't want to be as those that we read about last night in Revelation. That John identified him as the fearful. Those that's afraid to try. Afraid to be reproached. 
and the unbelieving, those who take a part of the word. And even the compound meaning of the word is that they believed initially, and then because of stress and trouble, they turned away and backslid. They will have their part in the lake of fire. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We don't have to go that way. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. How many wants to be ready for this great thing that's going to come upon the earth? God don't ask you to make a new heavens. God don't ask you to make a new earth. God don't even ask you to make yourself new. He just wants you to submit. Let Him do the work. Let Him work through us. Praise God. Let Him give you a new birth. And let that pyramid like mountain start pushing up in your being. Faith, temperance, all these godly traits and characteristics. But when it starts growing, it means all hell will come against you. But it will be worth it, friends. Because inevitably God will crown your life with a new body. You imagine the earth's crown. The earth is designated in gender as a she, a her in the Bible. God's crown to this earth will be the consummation of holy fire. The earth will be crowned with a perfect status. Praise God. The seas will be gone so there will be no more rising up of the moisture of the seas to form clouds to be able to make hurricanes and typhoons there'll be no high pressure system and no low pressure system there'll be no system from the gulf that'll come up and bring its warm air and clash with the cold system coming from the west which causes many of our severe storms there'll be no such the earth will be crowned with perfect weather. You imagine every day will be perfect. One day won't be beautiful and warm and just right, and the next day be cloudy and thunderstorms the next day. There'll never be another thunderstorm on the earth. Praise God. Neither will there ever be another storm in your life. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, you would help us today. Dear God, be merciful to us. Lord Jesus, if there's one here, Lord, that has the profession of being a believer, and they are, they're a Christian, they love you, and they've been forgiven, they've been justified. Maybe some of them have never been sanctified. Maybe some of them have never gone on to the Holy Ghost. May they realize, Lord, that's when the deed is cleared. That's when a title search has been done on their deed. And it's been searched plumb back before the foundation of the world. And every claim of sin, every claim of natural inheritance is stricken off against them. Then they have the token. Praise God. Lord Jesus, would you feel hearts here today? Those that will stream this service, those that will archive it later, Father, may the Spirit of God help each of us, Lord. 
as our earth will be changed with a new outer appearance. She will look different. The earth will have a body change. So will we have a new outer appearance. Praise God. Old age will fade away. Wrinkles will be gone. We'll be forever young. Like to your glorious body. Help us till that time arrives, Lord Jesus. May we be faithful to the end. May we serve you with all of our hearts. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, don't you want to be there with all your heart? With all your heart? The Lord has made a way, children. This is not a dream. This is not a fictitious tale fabricated by a bunch of preachers. It is a reality of the living God. God found you when you were in this world, in this cataclysmic state, formless, without shape, your original purpose contorted and twisted around. And God found you and rewrote your life, changed the direction you were headed and made something of beauty out of your life. It must have been absolutely awesome that day when Adam was first created and his eyes popped open for the first time. And God brings him to the Garden of Eden in the land of Egypt. And he looks around at the canopy of trees. Oh, we've never seen anything like it ourselves. The flowers are so big and they were so beautiful. The colors were so vibrant. The pinks were so pink. The oranges so orange. The blues and the greens. The trees were, were so beautiful. It must have been breathtaking. Day after day after day, if he did lay down at night, and every morning when he would get up and the birds would be singing, and it was so overwhelming. Each day was a new, overwhelming experience. We think it's pretty now, and it is pretty. We live in a pretty world. We live in a pretty spot here in Tennessee. We live in a beautiful spot. But this is like a garbage dump compared to the Garden of Eden. Compared to the place we've read about this morning and where we're going, it's like you moved off of the garbage dump and there's rats all over your body. And you're living in all that stench and all that mess all around you. And one day you're brought out of this garbage dump into paradise. Praise God. No wonder I'm going to have to be changed. You know what? The goodness of it has just killed me in a matter of time. You don't realize. You're laughing at me. You don't realize. You'll have to be changed to experience the goodness of God. You ever get that way now to where you say, Lord, back off. You're going to hurt me, Jesus. Lord, you're just blessing me so good. This is the good, Lord. I can't take it no more. You understand? You'll have to be changed to experience the glory and the splendor and the goodness of what God has in store for you. Hey, let's sing, I can only imagine. That's all my poor limited heart can do. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I can only imagine.
Lord God. What it will be like when I. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Holding on, if you be still, will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? I'll be able to speak it all, I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I will do forever forever worship you I can only imagine oh I can only imagine surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will I dance for you Jesus
I can only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only Gently, gently, each day, my 
I'm going. 